Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. Um, Yoda's favourite car film is In 60 Seconds It Is Gone. It's episode number <laughs> 261. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was on the spot, as you can probably tell. It has been a, oh, to use a noise, weekend as Stoke fall to birthday boy Josh Bowler's late winning goal the mood in the Stoke City camp is bleak including here in this parish where the official Wizards of Drivel Twitter account came out as Mike Michael O'Neill no Martin no yeah him that's the one not Martin <laughs> it O'Neill out it became official I believe that was you Dave and we will come to you yeah in a moment. yeah that was me things are bleak though that is certainly the case here in Stoke City Towers to discuss the future of the club. I have Tony, who's not been here for a while. How are you? I feel physically sick. <laughs> and Dave, who posted such controversial tweets. Um, how, I mean, yeah, how, I, I pose the question, Dave, on Twitter, how are people feeling about Stoke? So tell me, how do you feel about Stoke? Empty, check. <laughs> Scared, check. Alone, check. Just another ordinary day. It, I, I listened to last week's podcast with you and Tom, and I kind of feel like we will be going over the same ground again, except this time it's just a little bit more pressing and a little bit more urgent. And Fucking I mean, tear down the stadium. <laughs> it just needs yeah, to be more so, extreme. So, Dave, am I, am I right in thinking you are firmly now happy to get rid of this this manager yeah yeah like i wouldn't say i'm like happy to get rid of him i'm i'm mainly sort of i don't know if they don't get rid of him i'm sort of resigned to it anyway so like i've been through all the scenarios in my head and all of them turn out badly anyway so well you know (laughs) what's the point (laughs) um like yeah i've i've defended him for quite some time i have stuck up for him i've seen what he's wanting to uh, to achieve i've seen germinations green shoots of a good team but unfortunately for quite a few reasons the results and performances particularly at home have been absolutely dreadful and there is no dressing up first of all the blackpool performance but the performances of the last three or four months Mm. it's symptomatic of a manager who does not seem to know what what to do Mm. yeah tony are you feeling much the same here i am it reminds me and it feels it feels like a bit of a lazy cliche about the end of the hughes era but it reminds me of the end of the hughes era in that way that every time you watched us it looked like the entire tactical plan was just give it a go, lads. Try not to concede too many goals. See how we get on. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a plan anymore. Yeah, and that's unpleasant you... to see. I, I'm not. I mean, I don't think. I don't. I, I don't think the manager after five minutes said, "You know what? Fuck it. All that stuff we planned. Just, just hit it long. Lamp it. See how we get on." I assume he had instilled some kind of idea. Mm. Like, but so it's it's. 
it's more likely down to the players in that case, but it's down to him to then instill the discipline or the degree of confidence or faith or whatever to make sure that if we have a game plan, we stick to it at least for a bit. So while I'm slightly blaming the players for Saturday, that he is accountable. Um, but I'm not, I'm not as downhearted about him being maybe replaced as everybody else seems to be, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I I know I know what you mean there. I almost it's not that I, it's not that I don't care that he you. Know, yeah, it's not that I don't care that we may be at a point where we have to replace a manager. It's more that I don't really, and despite the fact that we did a, a detective drama, I don't feel particularly attached to O'Neill in the fact that, you know, like when Hughes went, it had turned very, very sour. When Pulis went, it was regrettable, but it was the right thing to do. With Joan, with Rowett was poison. Jones just couldn't do anything. Whereas this, it's just like okay, I think it's just necessary now. Like I feel completely detached from the reality that we just need to do this. Um, And I don't know. Maybe it's because, and to hit on, several people have said this in the Twitter mentions. There is a, for me anyway, a genuine sense of just disillusionment. Um, I'm, I'm pretty detached from the season as a whole. I don't think we're going to, re- we, we're not doing anything. Um, I, and maybe that's because I've been so focused on this idea of it's a long-term project. And so the emotions and troughs of week in, week out football haven't really mattered too much because I've been quite happy to focus on, on a vision, but now that vision isn't really working in my mind. And so we just need to change it. Some tweets just to, tell you some other people's opinions uh, Simon Deakin says he's genuinely disillusioned more so than I've probably ever been absolutely no identity which is something I think you guys hit on last week completely and seemingly any sort of game plan but more than anything else I'm sick to the back teeth of watching teams come to our plays and put more into the game than we do which for me is unforgivable Danny Mead goes I'm endlessly optimistic and hopeful even in the clear view of absolute and utter bollocks uh, Proddy says he's meh that just about sums it up uh, Chris Duff said he enjoyed the pre, pretty much uh, 1972 stuff anything after that was just going to be a bonus uh, and then you've got things like feeling despondent uh, gutted baffled there's just a lot wrong with the club says Duck bored bored and that is mm. you know what yeah. that's it and I feel absolutely Oof. stupid to say I'm just really bored of our football and I'm bored of how we play. Like, how entitled does that make me sound? But it's just fucking boring. Like, it's just bo- football's boring. We don't really play well enough to be like, like, ah, oh, I'm running. Go on. I was, I was, I was going to ask how they'd spelt bored, whether it was with an A. Uh, and it, no. it became clear as you carried on speaking, but I was, I genuinely, I, I wondered which, which version of that word they was, they were pinning blame on i mean no no but i think i think well listen should we i mean do you want to talk about the match first and foremost or do you want to just go into the systemic issues because yeah well yeah i was i was going to bring this up anyway but like when we when we're looking at stoke and sort of the reasons why we're here and again like i I want to avoid using the word sunderland in the course of all this chatter but Mm. You look at the very, very short-term things, short-term problems, uh, and I 
I'll mention those in relation to yesterday's game. You've got medium-term-ish problems and you've got the long-term problems. Short-term problems we can see in evidence yesterday. Short-term problems are we don't know what our best team is. Mm-hmm. That's that's really bizarre for me. And nor, not even do we not know our best 11, we don't know our best system. We've mm-hmm. gone from 3-5-2 all season to changing it because we were getting steam uh, steamrolled at Huddersfield. Change system, we look really good. We looked all right for two or three more games. Then, hang on, results uh, went shit. Back to um, 3-5-2 again. Mm-hmm. And then we play it against Blackpool and we look shit. Because we thought, well, because this worked so, sort of at Crystal Palace away, then that's the approach we should take for Blackpool at home. Well, I'm not having that for one minute. Um, yeah, so issues yesterday. I know that people will go in and talk about lack of effort, lack of desire. And when we're in a bad run, that is going to seem like the case. And I'm not, I'm not saying like they run their socks off or anything like that. Of course I'm not. What? It what our problem was yesterday though was we looked like a team of strangers. M- wasn't so much their effort; it was their application. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost a m- um, count of the amount of times Nick Powell was trying to do something way too fancy for the players around him, trying something way too um, cheeky. I lost uh, count of the amount of times Mario Vrancic gave the ball away. I lost the amount of times Romain Sawyer's would run into traffic. Um, there was one point in the first half where Vrancic just picked the ball up, turned, and he's like, he's turned back because Josh Time has not made the run. And like, he's just, he's just stood there like, why, why the fuck aren't you running? It, it's, it's those mic, um, breakdowns in communication. Like the reason Blackpool had like three or four chances quite early on was Moore and Jagielka were basically may as well have been speaking different languages to each other. I don't know what was happening there. Um, And I did say this at the time, and I might get criticised for this, but I don't think like any in particular, any player in particular would like had a stinker, had like three out of 10, four out of 10 game. It was just that collectively we were so less than the sum of our parts. Josh Madger, bless him. I felt, I felt really sorry for him because he, he was, why the fuck are we lumping it to Josh Madger? He's about five foot. <laughs> if we're going to fucking lump it, you start Stephen Fletcher and you hope for some knockdowns. You don't start Nick Powell as a striker. When we finally brought him back, he's finally fit and we're not playing him in his best position. We're not playing our best player in his best position. And I cannot believe this has happened, lads. I cannot believe this has happened. We've finally got a manager who is more prone to dropping Joe Allen than I am. Uh, <laughs> I've wished for drop Joe Allen on a monkey's paw and he's being dropped at the times when actually we do need it. We need, at least we need a defensive midfielder worthy of the name, if not Allen, then Thompson. Like in, in the middle of his strongest run of form yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's bizarre. And we're, we're playing three at the back and I'm, I'm going to weaponize Paul Merson into my argument, but bear me out. Paul Merson <laughs> said... Um, you play a back three when your defenders aren't good enough. And I, I can't, I kind of, when I first heard that, I thought that's not really true. Is it Paul? Now you're just using it to have a go at Harry Maguire. Yesterday. I thought that's probably why we did it because I think, 
I think Jagielka's been good, and I think Harwood Bellis has been good, but I don't think O'Neill trusts mm. our defenders at all. He's he's brought he's brought Smith back in after icing him out. Vrancic is back in, Soyuz is back in. But it's just it's just names out of a hat. There mm. was just there was nothing about that lineup that said, right, we're gonna play this way and we're gonna we're gonna use the wing backs or we're going to um get it into Powell's feet. I don't know what the plan was yesterday in an attacking sense. We had one attack first half from uh Timon bombing down the wing, yeah. putting a good crossing. But how else were we gonna score a goal yesterday? There was not a remote the remotest idea. So that was a short-term problem. Short-term, tactically, we're fucked. Medium-term problem is also tactically we're kind of fucked um, because when you when you have that sort of attitude, then result you're going to get you know into huge slumps like this. Medium-term problem is this is the worst championship we've had since we've come down in terms of quality of teams. I mean, look at how high fucking Huddersfield are, and we've shat ourselves. We've absolutely shot ourselves. We've not gone at them. That's the medium term problem. And finally, I've no rambling on. Long term problem we can get onto later. <laughs> I, yeah, Tony, go on. Go. No, I was, go. I was just going to say, as, as part of that description of a championship as the weakest championship we've had, two of the better teams have had massive points deductions putting them below us that would otherwise they'd be above us as well. So, so by so by rights, we're seventeenth, which would be our worst ever league position. So. Not ever, <laughs> like, yeah. so that's not that's not the I and I feel kind of stupid because we've been patiently banging a drum of progression, mm. but and 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 may and I don't think I don't think we've been misplacing our faith because there have been real signs of it. It's just that I don't know what's happened. There's always been for me anyway, this sprinkling of I don't want to say doubt, but just like, well, sometimes we play really shit and it's so weird, but you know, you've got to give them, you've got to give them time. But then like the last few months, it's just been a real, just, woo. it's, it's, it's like the ruble. It's just, it's gone. It's plummeted, <laughs> hasn't it? It's absolutely plummeted down. And Scream if you want to go faster. And it's not like Oatcoin, which is going up and up. <laughs> Get on this now. <laughs> it's going to the moon, but it's just so many things that I also now just like sit and, <laughs> which I now sit and question, like, what's the deal with Jack Bonham? What's that about? Like, why is? Oh, uh... can I? I, I have a, a, a small rant about about team selection, but it, uh, it it starts with Bonham, and it's not a particular criticism of him. It's a criticism of Stoke City Football Club mm-hmm. habit of ruining perfectly good managers in this one specific way. Well, two specific ways. One is not doing a sub before seventy minutes. But we, we we're used to that. I don't understand the dropping of Bursic. I could sort of make sense of the rotating goalkeepers when it was him and Davies, because you had the good goalkeeper and the young goalkeeper who was showing signs of goodness, and you wanted to encourage that and give him a bit of a run, and then okay, now have a bit of a rest and put the grown-ups in charge, you know. But I don't then get letting Davies leave when we were still in a position to challenge for the top six. That makes no sense to me at all. I don't get why Wright Phillips has dropped back in the under-23s after being player of the, 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 the player of the month. I don't understand Wilmot getting dropped after possibly being player of the month the other month, but definitely having goal of the month that month. 
and generally like being a good centre back and building relationships with Jagielka. Just like I, I, I don't understand that. I, I quite liked him at right back. That was fine. It was interesting because he marauded forward a bit, but I don't understand that. It, it just again, it just reminds me of the end of the Hughes era where I don't understand anything that we're doing. Although the throwbacks to Pulis as well, where he do you th- the wrong people all the time. But, but do you think? Because because everything you said there has made me think like, but that doesn't sound like what we know O'Neill to be. Like the one but, thing they say about him is, oh, he's a great, you know, his Northern Ireland team, great motivator, great at getting teams going. We've he's been brilliant at bringing young players in, giving opportunities and stuff. It's it stinks to me as someone who is feeling pressure, and mm. and is is. I mean, if you watched his post-match interview, he said as much. Like, it just feels like like the pressure is getting getting to him a little bit. I, yeah, I think I think that's the case for the players as well. Ooh. CF, how we're really bad at home, but fine away. Well, I think. Okay, well, let me throw let me throw another thing at you because I made the audacity of twi- on Twitter of saying that I don't have an issue with getting rid of O'Neill. I just uh, I don't have much faith in who they'd get to replace which we'll get onto. Uh, but someone um, took issue to that and said, well, I, it's, it's the fans' fault. The fans are getting on at the players. It's a poisonous atmosphere. Everything's poisonous. The, pre- the reason that people are... I mean, they didn't say this. I'm, they, they just said, where were you? Did you even get behind the players? But the point is, is there a, just this poisonous atmosphere? Is this a doom of our own making? Just to play devil's advocate for a second. There is. There is absolutely a poisonous atmosphere at the ground. I, I'm i not going to say it's the fans' fault we're in the position we're in. Um, it can't help. It definitely can't help. And maybe there is a correlation between the atmosphere at the Bet365 and our poor home for, form in recent weeks. Um, it's like... It's like most teams, if, if they're if they're playing well and winning, the atmosphere is going to be great, and it's sort of in a cycle, and they're, they're sort of interconnected with each other. Like you know the the mysterious kind of West Brom home game, which now feels like a kind of I don't know, it's like fool's gold almost, I guess. Um, that the the place was absolutely pumping; it was fantastic. The, we were really behind the players. Uh, and you'd sense that there was a real sort of camaraderie. Even in some away games I've been to, even ones we haven't won, I thought, well, if, you know, the way support's been really good, really encouraging, and the players have responded to that. At home, I, I think it's a case of... That we sort of um, becomes a self fulfilling prophecy because some some fans come with an expectation that we're going to be shit, and the minute it starts to look like we're going to be shit, that confirms their uh, worst fear, and the the fans react accordingly. Likewise, the players think, "Oh, the fans are going to get on our backs," mm-hmm. so they come with a sort of, and maybe not an attitude would be the wrong word, but like a sense of like maybe panic. So. They they panic into a mistake, thinking the fans are going to get in the backs. Then the fans do get in the backs because they're think, playing shit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. That well, I mean, you only have to look back to the other year when Joe Allen made his like mocking uh, celebration, like at the fans. It's quite. I think it's quite clear that from a player's point of view, they feel the fans get on their backs a little bit. And I and I, I mean, it's evident that they they're evident that they do. Um, sorry, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a hard place to play if you're a home side and it's not going your way. You, you can you can absolutely see Nathan Jones when Luton came. How? You can absolutely see him him telling the Luton side, put them yeah. under loads of pressure at the start, get yeah. the fans on their backs, they'll crumble. How? I've seen it I've seen thirty it. times. <laughs> believe me, I've seen it. Yeah. How how do you how do you stop that? You well, you you've just you've just got to find a way of winning that, that's that's all you can do really you can't change the <laughs> you, we we can't sit here and change the mentality of people who go to stoke you, games now you, <laughs> I, I consider myself a very sort of patient placid person but mm-hmm. I, I i've i don't think i've ever brewed stoke off maybe someone may remember the time i did but i, <laughs> I but i I've, i don't blame anyone for booing him off yesterday even at half time i thought well you know very very harsh to boo any team off at half time, but I'm not saying they don't deserve it. Um, so in in lieu of the fact we can't really sort of um change your whole fan base's mindset, they the only thing that is going to change that is if we put a run of wins together, and that is the thing we are incapable of doing. Um, so in order to break the cycle, we are in um what academics call the the golem cycle where it's like if you believe the worst thing about yourself you'll have that confirmed by others and so on and we need to get into the pygmalion cycle which is like if you believe good things about yourself people will respond (laughs) well to you and so on and so on um that so shifting one to the other is uh difficult it's like trying to get kids are teach to revise for the GCSEs it's like mm. no actually if you try hard and you will do well no honestly it's true oh no <laughs> but but we're in the attitude of no I'm not going to revise because I'm going to fail fail them anyway so we're kind of stuck in that rut at the moment and it's it's shit and horrible but I don't I don't know what else there is to do it's not new no I mean yeah. as long as I can remember at Stoke with the exception of the first few years when we went up, because even in the promotion season, there was quite a lot of that, as I remember it anyway. But then when we went up, there was no expectation at all. Everyone was pretty convinced, all right, we're going straight back down, but we'll have, mm. a, we'll have, we'll have a laugh and we'll we'll make it fun and exciting and we'll shout at all these 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 la-di-dar Premier League teams and we'll give them a really good fucking shout and it works. We, we look back with so much nostalgia for the atmosphere of the Premier League in truth, and this might be harsh, it was one season, wasn't it? It was that first season up in the Premier League. And because because for that reason, we thought, yeah, bloody Premier League, Nami Pambis, bloody refs are shit, everyone hates us, let's just fucking get them. And obviously, that it, it was whipped up by Pulis. It, and it, it worked for that one season. But then we get expectant. We got expectant. Like we like since we've started this podcast, the amount of times we've moaned about our fans' attitudes towards Arnautovic and Shakiri and Bojan, like like, and now we've got worse players, and it's just like, oh, you know, we oh, remember the days of Arnautovic, Shakiri, and Bojan. Well, you had to go at them. Don't fucking <laughs> moan said now. They were shit. Yeah, um, that's what frustrates me the most about it. Is that season two seasons, two and a half seasons, where the bear pit was in evidence more often than not, it really did make a difference. And it's like, if we just, it frustrated me under Nathan Jones because it was really happening then as well. And it was like, if we all just fucking shout at the opposition instead of our lot, yeah. we might actually win these games that we're not winning because the players have shitted themselves. And and it's I'm, I'm not 
squarely blaming the fans. And I completely understand this level of expectation. We've spent more money than 90% of the professional clubs in the country. And we are here. We're superb at building an Oz versus Oz mentality, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's, it's collective trauma, though, isn't it? As well, like I mean, that make, that makes it seem more serious than it is. But it's everyone's experience the last few years and of of Stoke, and yeah, like you've seen it all. You've seen us, you've seen us go from a three 0 up to drawing with uh, with Cardiff. Um, you've you like know, it's one of those things. You've seen all these these situations that, yeah, the like how many times have we said? Like in a game, opposition scores against us first. All right, well, game over then. There is just a huge level of pessimism because it's what we do. It's just, it's just this goddamn club. And the, and also, what I think we need to maybe get out of the house, uh, the habit of as a fan base is just kind of like seeing every other club as like the model of perfection. When in fact, just because they're beating us doesn't mean they're a perfectly well-run club or they've their managers automatically better or anything. When you lose the team, obviously they're going to look better because they were probably better than you on the day. Um, but it just, I don't know. We we just see these tweets like, "Oh, if only we were like Blackpool." And like, yeah, fine, they're a decent team. They're they're probably doing all right for for their means, but like, yeah. I don't want to be fucking Blackpool. I want to be a better team than that. I didn't think they were much good at all, really. It's outside of Bowler, who was very good because he looks like Pound Shop Jack Grealish. Like he's, I didn't. They were often misplacing passes and looking yeah. ropey. I didn't think they were anything special. So that's why they're down where we are, basically, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the only team I've, well, actually, I thought you'd say Luton. I thought Fulham. And Luton <laughs> have been the best teams we've played this season. Um, but yeah, fine. It doesn't matter. Um, if we're thinking about managers, then I'm sorry to sort of steer the conversation away because I've got I've 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 managed to, while you were talking, like save the club. So we'll save that okay. at the end. Awesome. Um, okay. But <laughs> it's it's funny it's funny how the conversations with managers go because once you get over the who do you get in conversation you then see sort of signs of panic signs <laughs> of panic and the signs of panic are I don't know every single manager in the world it's quite a difficult <laughs> well, thing to know so here's my here's my suggestion because um let's just let's just say I'm I'm pro- I'm gonna be pretty honest guys I don't think Marcello Bielsa uh, will want to come. <laughs> no. Oh man, this is the sound of me tearing my notes up. <laughs> uh, here's here's my suggestion. Uh, Peter Coates writes John Coates out of his will, and then, <laughs> and then um, unrelated to this, a uh, a slander settlement between Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy forces mm. Colleen Rooney to pay huge damages to the former I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here star. The Rooneys are broke. <laughs> Sensing an opportunity, Peter Coates spies Rooney sleeping in his office at lowly Derby County and, and says, come here, Wayne. You will be my new son. <laughs> and Wayne Rooney's tricky potters 
stormed their way to the Premier League due to basically the breakup of two families. (laughs) (laughs) You've done it. You've saved the football club. I just I, thought I just thought today the fans got all Joe Allen's back a bit too much, you know. No, no, I hate it. I hate it already. Oh, oh I, get out. Oh. Um, I we I can't remember who it was. At least one of you, possibly both of you, have have mentioned on, on the Twitter or in messages the lack of any kind of hope for a good replacement. I don't know if that was knee joke, but I I, I have a message of hope. I think no, in regard on. to that because. I think Michael O'Neill was a bit out of the blue. I don't think we saw him coming until it happened, particularly. I might have misremembered that. But my understanding is John Coates is making more of the decisions, despite his possible impending financial precarity. Precarity? Skintness. Um, And talking to people who know bits about the club, Nathan Jones was his first big call. Or one of them. Now, bear with me. I know. Went right? well. Even I will admit that that was a massive fucking bin fire <laughs> by the end. But I did think, and I still think, it's the kind of appointment we needed to try and build something rather than just get a manager, uh, you know, a Harry Redknapp, whatever. Um, and then next up was Michael O'Neill. And overall, despite the last few months, I, I would say that's been a pretty good appointment from where we were mm. to okay. got rid of all, all the deadwoods gone, the team's flushed with talented youth who then don't play, but whatever, they're likely to improve. We're not in a bad place with the squad for the first time in a long time. Um, I'm not saying if Dietrich Matasic polkered down the A50 promising caffeinated oatcakes and red hippos, I wouldn't be fully on board. And I'm not unquestionably supportive of the board I, I think I, I have a reasonable amount of faith at this point. They might pull someone good out of the bag if and when the axe falls. Um, it would be kind of fun to see how the relentless stokeness of Stoke could ruin the immaculate record of the Red Bull sporting empire. But I, I think if we get rid of Michael O'Neill, whoever we next get in will be somebody a bit interesting with something about them rather than what we've been used to prior to the Nathan Jones line. If that makes sense, is that a message of hope, or am I just saying we I, should get Jones back? I, I see where you, I see where comes from. I think there's definitely a sense in football now that the age of the firefighter dinosaur is over. I think clubs are less and less reluctant, uh, less and less uh, happy to do that, mainly because you're giving stupid amounts of money for big contracts for managers who can only really serve you in the short term. Um, so, see Warnock, Pardew. Allardyce, blah, 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 um, Pulis. Oh, right. Sorry. Can I just please get this out of the way? Do not get Pulis back. For God's sake, stop it. Just stop saying his name. It's not a fucking magic spell that you can cast and somehow everything will be fine again. It doesn't work like that. For God's sake, there is a reason why he is so well loved. And mm-hmm. the reason is he went at the right time. For God's sake. He would not have do anything with this squad. How is he going to do what he does with this squad? Also, what has he done since leaving us? What about Lou Macari? (laughs) 
Sorry, I thought it was quite funny. Dave's face was funny. <laughs> that was just, that was a work of art. It was a, it was a visual <laughs> gag for a, for an audio medium that didn't quite. <laughs> I enjoyed it though. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Anyway, anyway. Yes. So, sorry. Uh, this Continue. brings me on to my five point plan to save Stoke City. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> it's it's written on a pink uh, post-it note there, um, and. I, I asked the question in, in a group chat earlier because I wasn't quite sure. I asked the question, did we have a director of football? Mm. We have a something of football operations. We have a title that sounds a bit like it. Mm. Um, but the man in that role is Mr. Andy Cousins, who you may remember sitting next to O'Neill on the bench at Barnsley that time. Um, this does not strike me as the best idea to have O'Neill's former assistant manager as possibly in a position of where he can hire, he can fire him. That doesn't sound right to me. I don't think he can. I don't think that's within his job remit because if, if so, that would be weird. So therefore point number one, hire a actual proper director of football with the capability to hire, hire and fire managers. Um, Have this director of football uh, set out a five-year plan for Stoke City to return to and establish themselves in the Premier League in the next five years. Point number two, hire a manager who has a track record of having a certain way of playing at this point. I'm not bothered, but also uh, a manager who has shown himself to have had tactical ideas beyond panic. Okay, that's that's been the problem. A manager who can do tactics is the thing we're looking for now. We've had managers who can shout. We've had managers who can pump their chest. We've had managers who can spend money. Next time, next manager appointment must be a kind of guy. When you look at him, you think, fucking hell, he's probably a bit boring. (laughs) We want a boring bloke who can do tactics. Mm -hmm. If it's an exciting bloke who can do tactics, that's 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 just lucky, then you've just got Jurgen Klopp. I want a fucking nerd. Get a fucking nerd in. That is point number two. Uh, Number three is actually something we can realistically do because I think this is probably O'Neill's biggest strength and the thing that he has done that has probably pleased me the most. Continue to lower the average agent squad and continue to bleed in youth. Whether that be sticking Jack Bursick in as your first, uh, Joe Bursick in as your first choice goalkeeper or uh, giving over the cups for uh, Emre Tezgel, Demarjo Rett Phillips, etc., etc. Continue to bleed in youth and use that as a means of moving players on and generating revenue for the club. Point number four is do better than the previous season. <laughs> if well, you, well. if you're, if the manager cannot do better than sixteenth, seventeenth, then the following season that manager needs to go because it's not in the culture of progress that we need. The manager is a failure. <laughs> and ah. no, point number five is uh, make the Bet365 Stadium less of a shithole. Okay, yeah, yeah. Make it somewhere that people actually wanted to go to. I went into Delilah's bar yesterday and, uh, and I thought... Is it well, open? Yeah. So, uh, so two pounds and... Um, if you want to pay that two pounds by card, you have to sort of get one of the security people to like shepherd you inside and then pay it. And then they leave you alone for some reason. Um, and you find out like the interesting facts about the club. It turns out like they've, 
two players we had in the war used used the wartime fixtures to stat pad massively. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's point number five. Make the ground less of a shithole. Make it fun. Make it accessible. Make it by somehow make it some pl- some place people actually want to go and spend time. Because right now, given the state of the things on the pitch, they do not want to spend any time there. And it's a fucking nightmare to get to and get away from. It's a fucking hellhole and I fucking hate it. Piss off, stupid little bastards. Okay. So that's my five-point plan. Director of football, manager with a plan, lower average age, culture of progress, transparency with fans. That's it. Five points. You're doing one already. So think of that as a win. Quick win. We're already doing point number three already. It's not that hard, though, is the thing. It should. It can't be that hard. <laughs> I think well, the problem you've got there, and whilst I agree completely with you, is that the culture of progress needs to not just be a thing on the pitch. Uh, there needs to be that mentality behind the scenes. And yes. I genuinely do not believe that we have that. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think the, the the way you're most likely to see all of those changes implemented is with different owners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of that chat, a lot of that chat this weekend as well. Um, I saw, I believe it was Stoke Loud and Proud put up a thing saying that, you know, the one thing that no one should be shouting for is a change in ownership because the, they, they love the club. They're very, very wealthy. I've saw I've saw calls. I'm sure where... I'm sure pet owners who overfeed their pets so they're so fucking bloated and can't walk. I'm sure they love their pets as well, but <laughs> you're mistreating it. You're doing it badly. Hmm. Take it I've... to the fucking vet. I, I've seen I've seen compromises between where it's like, well, the coats need to stay, but they need to hire people who to run the club on their behalf. But it's, they've been I mean if you realistically think that the coats are going to do so, that. So, so, so they are good, but they just need someone to do all the running of the club stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? Well, and also they, and, they're and, just a piggy and, bank, aren't they? Let, let's be yeah, honest. The reason we love them so much is because they're a big, nice piggy bank mm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, that's what Abramovich did at Chelsea. He's a massive piggy bank. I mean, he's not so much now, but he, he has been for a long time. And he didn't have very much to do with the running of the football bits because he just said, here's fucking tons of money. You can keep it, as it turns out. But, but I mean, it could, we, we could be in a worse position owners-wise, I think. I don't think, like, yeah. they aren't terrible. No, I'm not going to go and, down and, that and, and, and this And this is where we get into these sort of conversations that I believe do hold us back, which is, well, it could be worse. Look mm. at so-and-so. Don't they have it bad? Well, when the fucking... Oh, my God. I need to talk about Radio Stoke. I need to talk about Radio Stoke. The, Go guy, on. the guy who said, oh, well, just for comparison, I think was the word. Well, you know, um, you're having a go at the owners and stuff. Um, you know, Shane Warne died the other day. So what the fuck are you talking about? Where the fuck do they find these people? My God. My God. Stoke on Trent. They're all usually living in Spain to begin with in the first place. They're sort of, they're sort of removed from Stoke on Trent, but I think the fucking uh, fumes from the last remaining kiln have fucking addled their brain somehow. And they've fucking been infected by little, little, tiny, little worm people who say, 
uh, vote, vote Tory and don't expect anything. That's what you should do. And it's like, oh, well, we can't criticise the owners because they gave me a shiny penny. And with this shiny penny, I bought a fucking oat cake. Uh, mm. Ask for nice things. Sometimes they might you might get them. Mm. Mm. Do you remember when people were angry? I mean, you'd, probably not. But when Coates owned us the first time, and literally yeah. was hounded out of the club. Like, just it's, it's funny, isn't it? How he didn't have loads of money then. No, exactly. <laughs> so he's that he, so he, he did have Jez Moxie. It just bring so it brings us back to the whole point though, isn't it? It's mm. we I think we're afraid of a change in ownership that wouldn't be one, very, very rich. And two, I mean, I understand the people's concern that you know he's a local person who has the clubs best interests at heart theoretically and if you sell to someone will they have the same connection blah de blah blah uh, there's the other point and someone really did make this point on on twitter who's gonna fucking buy the club like re- seriously like I, mm. i'm sure someone probably you know would but we're a club that's like losing quite a bit of money at the moment like who realistically who's gonna Whoever ends up buying Derby, they would have done, but they'll have bought Derby by then. Yeah. But yeah, I think Red Bull <laughs> is my my Red Bull dream is probably that a dream. Um, Red Bull I, steak. like I yeah, I mean that'd be quite cool. And I I like <laughs> drinking Red Bull, and we'd have loads of money. But I think like if we're gonna have effectively an oligarch as an owner, I how much energy just the has, fans would have. <laughs> it'd be great. <laughs> If if we could direct it in the right direction, yes, it would be great. Um, but yeah, I'd like I'm not averse to as having a mega rich local owner. I think that is basically all right because having loads of money is good in modern football. And mm. if we got back to the Premier League via sorting out the football inside a bit better, then we would have a load of money, and the football in brains might spend it a bit better, and we might even get some of it back at the end when it all goes wrong again. But I I mean, does any of it fucking matter? You said you said fix Brit, the bet three six five. Sorry, I think just knock it down. Like, there was somebody on Twitter saying saying, oh oh, there's a war on. You can't be talking about this shit. Much the same path as your Radio Stoke man. And it's, and it's like and sort of say, oh well, can't we do anything anymore? No, fuck it. Just knock the whole lot <laughs> down. <laughs> team off. Stop playing football. Stop watching football. It's shit. <laughs> just have just keep Potamus and just have Potamus and just watch Potamus. Potamus doing a fucking TikTok dance in the middle of an empty barren wasteland because that's what we are now. We're just a sad, yes. we're a sad blue hippo of doom. Um, <laughs> take the stadium down brick by brick and drop it on Putin's head. <laughs> so take it down brick by brick and make bottle kilns out of the bricks and yes. then. Can I add a point six to your five point plan to fix us, by the way? Because I just remembered something else that's cursed us and is the actual reason we've been shit. Mm. Uh, get a kit supplier that isn't Macron because they're cursed. Yeah. Ah, mm. uh, Macron. <laughs> uh. Oh, well, I feel suitably depressed about the entire situation now. Um, who are we feeding to the hippos? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Josh Tymon. Who did you feed last week? 
We fed championship referees to the... That's uh, it. Can we... I don't know. Uh, we... we have a suggestion from Joe Richards, who oh, defended us, which is nice of him. Question, I'm not saying it would happen, but what would actually happen if Pulis came back? I'd... It, <laughs> it would be shit. It would it be would, shit. It would, it, would, it would be him tarnishing his own legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't think he's the messiah some folk claim he is. Also, if I may, a nomination for Feed Them to the Hippos. Mm. Kids with Can I Have Your Shirt Signs oh. needy twats just ain't all the best. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so it's not so much the kids necessarily. When when there's a fully grown adult doing it, I draw strong objections. But oh. I, I must admit some sad part of me, some sad pathetic part of me, does delight when a child with a sign does not get the shirt he <laughs> so desperately wanted and it goes to a child next to them. And that, that is funny. Um, but uh, Tony's got a face of sort of human empathy, so yeah, he might disagree. <laughs> no, no, I was just thinking of that time I briefly thought I was going to get a signed Josh Timon shirt and then I didn't. Oh, uh, I'd still Aww. like a signed Josh Timon shirt. I also thought he was our best player. Well, yes, 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 he, yes, I think he was. I mean, generally, but yeah, I think <laughs> he, he was he was the one to come out with some credit. There was one time he didn't make a run and he got shouted at for it. And that annoyed me because he'd made about 16 runs. But he hadn't, nobody had bothered is, looking at this him. Is, this and is that happens true. a lot and it does my head in. This is true. It's not about me or Josh Tynan, really. Who is it? to feed to the hippos? Hippos, 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 who we're going to feed? Putin. Uh, I was going to say. I, I mean, say... Putin feels feels the necessary one. If honest, Pete. Any person whose surname begins P U. Yeah, I was going to go with Putin and Paulins and Neil War. All the people I'm a bit afraid we might take in. Who are the proper football men? Shall we yeah, feed yes. all the proper football uh, men? Yes, to the hippos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Putin's um, Putin's spirit surely be there. I'm not going to yeah, say yeah. who's worse, Neil Warnock and Vladimir Putin. That's for you to decide at home, listeners. Um, <laughs> um, you've, let's be, let's be honest. You've I got, can't see people having as much fun with vi- short clips of Putin. As they do with Neil Warnock <laughs> on Twitter. That's <laughs> a fucking difference, eh? We're in Kiev, aren't we? <laughs> oh, it's can funny. we on on that basis? Can we save Mick McCarthy? Oh, okay. I like who I think counts as a, a proper football man, but is gif heaven. I mean, I don't want him as a manager, but I'll save him from the hippos. Is he still? Is he still like a going concern? Is he? Is he? Is he, active, is, is he in the what, job market? What does Mick McCarthy do these days? <laughs> Mick McCarthy is... Uh, he, uh, no, he was lastly in charge... Oh, yeah, he was in charge of Cardiff, wasn't he, this season? <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> a, I, uh, the, the job he did at Cardiff is worthy of anybody's praise, I think. It's excellent to see them doing really badly. Yes. Um, do you want a quick game of the Nathan Jones game? Where you guys oh, okay. because we have the returning <laughs> champion, the reigning champion with yes. us today. And Chris, you can steal the belt from uh, Tony. To. Okay. Well, I mean, you, yeah, you can win the belt off him, not steal mm. it. It's not yeah, a crime. don't worry. I'm, I'm not wearing trousers anyway, so it's, it's low risk. Okay. Low risk. 
Uh, as, as bad a performance as I've seen since, to be honest, it's the baddest man performance I've had since I've been a manager. I, I, I feel physically sick, literally sick. I, I could be sick. I, 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 I it's. Low right. Risk. Okay. Your footballer, it's where you do the clues in the football. If you shout out, I feel physically sick. It's a stolen game. Um, <laughs> okay, clue number one. I was born on the 6th of October, 1978. I feel physically sick. Go on. Dave Brammer. It's not Dave Brammer. Can you imagine if it was, though? <laughs> um <laughs> Clue two, I played 89 games for Stoke City and scored five goals. <clears throat> Clue three, I've played 22 games for my country and scored one goal. Oh. Clue four. I say Dave Brammer again, <laughs> just to keep the, the flow of conversation going. Clue four. I am married and have two sons. Their names are Milan and Valentino. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, that's really thrown me. <laughs> Italian Dave Brammer (laughs) Clue five I can speak English, Dutch French, German and Italian I feel physically sick Is it Peter Herkstra? It is not Peter Herkstra Well fuck him for not having two sons named that (laughs) Um after leaving Stoke City, I played 52 games for another club in England. Fucking snake. Next clue. After leaving them, I played for a famous European club where I became a bit of a legend, leading them to domestic success. Oh, God. I don't know any footballers who've played for Stoke, even the current ones. I can't even remember who Josh Timon is now. <laughs> okay, right. We're getting cl- we're getting closer to the actual clues that might give you a chance. Okay. Um, I was quite good from the penalty spot. I feel physically sick. Tony. It's Danny Higginbottom. It's not Danny I was, Higginbottom. No, I was going to go with that. No, Valentino Higginbottom. <laughs> well, he's, he's weird, isn't he? <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, he didn't score for him, did he? When he did the international thing. Next, uh, I don't think he speaks. Right. Next clue. Like that, uh, yeah. Next yeah. clue. I, I feel like we're in this. We're in the right era. Here. I once <laughs> had a on-pitch bust-up with Danny Higginbottom. Um, I I feel physically sick. Chris, is it what's it? Fucking um, Belgium lad, Carl uh, Hoofkins. Carl Hoofkins. Yes. <laughs> it's Carl Hoofkins. <laughs> oh, oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. 
Well done, Chris. No, that was uh, excellent work. You know, as soon as to- no, I was I was with you, Tony. When when you said about the languages, Dave, I'm like, it's got to be someone from like the lowlands who is like, you know, that those areas where they all the languages are all jumbled up, and they all know them because they're not yeah. inward looking orcs. Chris is the uh, lineal champion. Yes. Um, he was captain of Club Bruges, played 127 games for Club Bruges, uh, scored his only international goal in a friendly against Turkey, uh, won the Football League Championship with West Brom the same season we went up. Oh. Our player of the year, 2006. Uh, also played for uh, Leers, Lommel, Westerlo, Germinal, Beershot, Leers again, Oostender and Manchester 62. Manchester 62. Which are based in Gibraltar. Okay. So really, really I got that. I knew it was time. Danny Higginbottom. Yeah. Him, him and Danny Higginbottom have just kind of, he is the Belgian Higginbottom in a, yeah. in a way. In a, in, in, They're two yeah, sides of the, the same coin. In, yeah. in many ways, not. What's he doing now? Does he fancy being manager? <laughs> no, director of football. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On 28th May 2018, it was confirmed that Herfkins would return to Club Bruges from the upcoming season as a Belofton coach slash talent coach, where he would function as assistant coach and talent coach for the under-21 and under-18 teams. In June 2019, Herfkins was placed on a new role as part of first himself, where he'd have the specific task of guiding on talents. Yeah, he's a youth coach. He's a youth coach. Fucking our Wikipedia. Just keep it light. Um, yes, there you go. Carl Herfkins, a, a likeable footballer. A lovely hmm. choice, Dave. Yeah, that was good. And a happy way to finish the episode, I think. Yes. Is, is there anything either of you wish to say before we go? No. Sorry we went on so long. No. Never sorry. Always good. It's always fun. Well, okay. Well, that's nice, isn't it? A nice, positive, happy way to end the week that has been <sighs> bloody miserable. Tony, thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely to be back. I felt a bit like my podcast virginity had grown back and I'd forgotten how to speak, but I, we got through it. Uh, yeah. And Dave, thank you for being you. <laughs> and I'm, so, I'm sorry for if I upset anyone. Yeah, did, you call the, did you call the Stoke fans orcs, Dave? No. Um, Shall I call the Stoke fans orcs? Would that help? Um, I'm just because I'm thinking of a run for council. Uh, <laughs> not not the football club. I'm just going to join the Conservative Party. Yeah, you're all moral. You're all morally questionable. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time to say goodbye. Right, everyone in the world, keep yourselves safe. And. Yeah. Who are we playing next week? Who are we playing next? Oh, gives a shit. Barnsley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm going. I'm going. Because when I bought the ticket the first time, we were doing all right. Maybe It'd be a we'll... nice bookend, actually, if, if, Maybe... if he gets absolutely dicked by Barnsley in his last yeah. game, having tated them in his first game, Symmetry. when you hurt my back, Dave. I, I... <laughs> now I'm going to have my back hurt. <laughs> That's how it works. But hope, maybe I'll get abandoned in a random pub. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. He he's going nowhere because we move at the pace of snails, and even when it's obvious that we do need to make a change, we just won't. Rooney Happy, Rooney, <laughs> Wayne Rooney's Stoke City Potters. See you next time. Go on. 
the Stoke.